Download the relevant radio app. They got my stamp of approval, baby. Compelling insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, I like that guy, Cyrus. He's pretty smooth. He is smooth. Yeah, I I don't know he who sort of it came is. came out of nowhere. Yeah, I did. Do you have any more by that guy? I Well, I was going to save it for later, but uh, okay. No, I, it's okay. I was working on a little promo. I, we, oh. we can share it. Can we share it now? Yeah. I want it now. I, right. And if Patrick wants it now, he gets it now. All right. All right. All right I'll fade this Let's music Let's wait for down. the music to fade. All right. I'll just fade that and fade it on down. Yo, check this out. I got a hookup for you. It's called the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. And trust me, they got the game on lock. At the intersection of faith and culture. Now here's the kicker. This dude, Patrick Madrid, he got insights and makes connections like no other. Dropping facts and insights in your mind quicker than you can tap your favorite phone app. You know what I mean? 8 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Oh, for shizzle dizzle. Mmm. <laughs> I like this guy. He just slid right into our DMs, didn't he? He did, yeah. I, I'm just waiting for the lawsuits now. <laughs> I like that guy. Yeah, he's thank cool. You. He's cool. Thank you, guy. Yeah, whoever that is, thank you. Mm. Some emails. Uh, Chris writes in, She said, and she's talking about the nasty gram I read a minute ago. She says, it cracks me up when people email to complain about the show. It's like someone who doesn't like Chinese food who goes to a Chinese food restaurant and complains about the food and then keeps coming back. She says, I appreciate all the work you guys do. Please, or I appreciate all the work you do. Please keep up the great work. God's work. Well, thank you for that, Chris. Appreciate that. Did you, you, you sent me the funniest video I've seen in a while. And it's this yeah. guy who calls two separate Chinese restaurants. Oh, yeah. Don't play it. Do not, <laughs> not play it. Don't play it. I don't think there's any bad words in it. But No, there's no bad oh. words. But, you know, somebody somewhere will get uptight. So. I, la- I cried. I laughed so hard yeah. at that little bit that I was I was crying. It was so yeah. funny. Thank you for that. It's one of those one of those little prank phone calls, but we'll leave it. We'll leave <laughs> Just it Just leave there. it there. All right. All right. I think so. No more said. No more said. This is from Eileen, and she says, I don't know where Eileen's listening from, but she says, in the case of Laura and others who have asked about possible invalid confessions, wouldn't ecclesiam suplet apply? I don't think I've ever heard you explain that. Okay, ecclesia suplet, it's a Latin phrase. It means that the church will provide or the church provides. And it is a, it is a, how would we describe it? It's a, uh, it's, it's a way of explaining that under some circumstances that the church supplies what is lacking. And sometimes it comes up in the, the context of, like, what about the sacrament of baptism? What about the sacrament of confession? Won't the church supply in the case of a defective celebration of the sacrament? So I will share with you what Kathy Caridi, a canon lawyer, had to say on this topic, because she answers it, I think, very succinctly. The legal principle of ecclesia suplet, that in certain situations the church supplies, uh, might possibly be the most misunderstood concept in all of canon law. Questions about whether and how it applies routinely require even the most experienced canon lawyers to stop and think for a while before answering. While there are many situations where legal scholars can find themselves unsure about applying the principle of ecclesia suplet, 
the particular situation that, and she's referring to a particular example, which had to do with an invalid baptism. A priest did not use the valid formula for baptism. So the person writing the letter said, wouldn't Ecclesia Suplet, wouldn't that be sufficient for this? And that's in essence what you're asking me about here, Eileen, but in the case of confession. So she says, this is not something that's related to Ecclesia Suplet. Here's what the term means, she says. The Latin phrase Ecclesia Suplet, or the Church Supplies, is found in Canon 144, section, subsection 1. And here's the wording. In factual or legal common error, in, and in positive and probable doubt of law or of fact, the Church supplies executive power of governance for both the external and the internal forum. Now, try to explain that to somebody. So she says, if you love legalese, this is the canon, you've won the jackpot. Fortunately, this law has been with us for generations, so scholars established long ago what the various components of this canon actually mean. Here's what it actually means. First of all, the canon states that the concept of Ecclesia Suplet is applicable in two cases. One, common error, whether an error of fact or an error of law or probable doubt of fact or doubt of law. Common error does not equate to ignorance of what the law says and how the church functions. Let's pretend, by way of example, that a family contacts the parish because of an elderly relative dying, and a permanent deacon arrives to administer the sacrament of the anointing of the sick. Everyone knows that he is a deacon, so there is no error there, but let's say that the family does not understand that only an ordained priest can validly celebrate this sacrament. Does this therefore constitute common error? Her answer is not at all, because there are literally millions of people all around the world who could tell them immediately that a deacon has no ability to administer this sacrament. And it goes on from there. It, thus, if a deacon, she says, attempted to celebrate the sacrament of anointing of the sick, it would be invalid and Canon 144.1 would not apply. In other words, the, the idea of Ecclesia Suplet, it, it has no bearing on this. If there's an attempt made to celebrate a sacrament, so in this case, a deacon attempting to celebrate the sacrament of holy anointing, Ecclesia Suplet doesn't magically say, okay, well, because it was an honest mistake, the church will, God will treat this as if it really were a sacrament, that's not what Ecclesia Suplet refers to. Um, and she gives other examples of this, but the, the case here, the, the examples that are given here are parallel to the question that you're asking, uh, Eileen, about the issue of confession, and it doesn't apply to that. So it would apply to things like jurisdiction or power to do something in an emergency. Um, let's say, for example, that there is a terrible... Uh, devastating war. And the few who survive find themselves in a predicament where there's no way to communicate with, let's say, the Pope in Rome. There's no way to communicate with uh, the rest of the church elsewhere. And a bishop decides that under these dire circumstances, he needs to ordain men to the priesthood, or more importantly, he needs to um, consecrate some priests as bishops in order to carry on the ministry of the church will, under certain dire and unusual circumstances, ecclesia suplet. 
In other words, the church supplies for him the authority and jurisdiction that he would otherwise need to get from the Pope, and permission is what I'm referring to here, he would be in a position to be able to take that extraordinary step by himself without permission because he can't get permission, because he's prevented from receiving that authorization. So ecclesia suplet. That would be an example of what this refers to. And I'm glad you raised that issue because I have heard this before where people think, ah, it's no big deal. The deacon didn't baptize the baby with the valid formula. It's no big deal. Ecclesia suplet, that's not what it means. And it doesn't refer to the sacraments in that sense. Thank you for that email. Uh, also, moving along quickly here, um, and Angelica says, in response to the lady who called in earlier, um, she says, she says, I just got married in the church after many years of civil marriage with my Protestant husband, who right now, by the grace of our Lord, has an open mind and heart for the Catholic Church and is the result of years, I'm sorry, the, is the result of years of tears, prayers, and spiritual battles. My advice to the lady who called earlier, who's looking for a husband, someone she can marry, she says, my advice to her is to stop looking for any man in places and ask God in the Blessed Sacrament for the best man for her. There is an organization called Phoenix Catholic Young Professionals that she might be interested in. Yeah, and the Young Catholic Professionals, as I understand it, is all across the country. And um, there's a chapter in Columbus, Ohio, there's a chapter in Chicago, there's a chapter in San Diego, et cetera, et cetera. So for the lady who called in earlier today and asked about that, that would be another good thing. I wish I had thought to to mention that to you. But get involved there. And there are plenty of uh, eligible young men and women. And of course, you're interested in the men. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I would be quite so, if I'd put it quite so strongly, Angelica, Yes, I mean, naturally she's going to ask God for who is the man for me. I didn't get the impression that she was saying, well, I'll just settle for anybody. She didn't say that, or just any old man or anything like that. She's looking for the husband that God has intended for her, and I hope it's not a long wait. Thank you for that email. Mm -hmm. Let's go to Annette now in Texas. Good morning, Annette. Good morning, Patrick. Um Hi. I am going to ask my question and then I'm going to hang up so I can listen to your answer. Okay. I am a business owner and I have a couple businesses, very Christ-centered, sort of make that obvious in the application process. Mm -hmm. We've recently had a transgender 17-year-old apply to work at one of these businesses and I'm wondering your thoughts on that I employ other young Christians, I and old, mm -hmm. um, older, and I'm just trying to navigate the best way to to do this, to plant a seed, or mm -hmm. is this going to stir up trouble or confusion, or you know, I'm just stuck. So I'm mm -hmm. looking for your thoughts. I have a few questions that might help me give a more thoughtful response. One is with the position that it, now is it a, a woman or a man? It's a young girl. Who a young girl, okay. Who presents a, herself as a male? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, so, she and how old is she? She's a teenager, a young adult? 17. 
Okay. Young, 17. Then the other question I have is what would what capacity would she be working in at your company? Would she be dealing with the public? Would she be working in a cubicle or what would she be doing? In a kitchen. Okay. A cook. Yeah. So my reaction now, without knowing anything beyond this, my reaction would be to show the love of Jesus if she's qualified in whatever ways you would require somebody to be qualified. I mean, at that level, what qualifications would you have? Mm-hmm. But if she met the basic expectations and she wanted to work and she was available and there was nothing like egregiously problematic like a Hail Satan tattoo on her forehead or you know something like that, then I would say... I don't see any reason not to hire her. Now, naturally, that will... Okay, go ahead, Annette. Quick quick question. Um, So now pronouns are also a thing, and she goes back to him. That's where I was headed. So that's where we feel like, I feel like we're feeling very stuck of like, are we going to be compromising? Yeah, listening, I'm listening. Mm -hmm, (laughs) Sure. So I anticipated that would be the next question. So... My thought would be, if I were in your situation, I would say uh, we we would welcome you to work here and hope you enjoy it. We have a few policies, and one is that we don't play the pronoun game. Now, you may not want to use those terms, but we don't follow or enforce the mindset of using preferred pronouns. We call people, we use pronouns based upon their visible sex, male or female. Mm-hmm. Now, I recognize mm-hmm. that may not be something you're interested in, fair enough. And if it's not, we understand. If you're okay working within the company policies, that's what you can expect. It doesn't mean we don't respect you, but we don't follow that norm in this business. And just be very upfront, matter of fact, non, non-judgmental. And she will know then and there what she should expect. And if she wants to go along to get along and have a job, great. If she says, well, that's hateful and that's homophobic and no, I don't want to work in a place like that, say, oh, okay, well, I wish you well. And then off she goes. But this way you've given her an opportunity, you're welcoming, you're treating her as an equal to anyone else who might be applying for the job. In other words, you're sort of looking at this um, and not seeing the transgender thing. It's just you see her as a person. She exists. This is her own desire to work a job. And that's what really matters here. Ideology, leave that at the door. Mm-hmm. And she ha- then she makes the choice, does she want this or not want it? And you're not the bad guy. You know, this is our mm-hmm. company policy. Perfect. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Now, I would, all other things being equal, check in with your equal opportunity office, you know, in the county or or state of Texas, you know, you can access that and just rehearse what are the requirements, you know, in terms of employment law so that you would avoid doing anything that could be construed as discrimination. Yes. Yep. And, And by offering her a position, you're clearly not discriminating against her, but when you outline the company policies, If you're late for work more than once, you get fired. If you do this, this happens. If you do that, that happens. Part of our company policy is we don't do preferred pronouns here. Um, None of those things would fall under discrimination. But you would, I would advise you to do this in such a way that she wouldn't have the recourse to say, I'm going to sue her because she 
discriminated against me. Yeah. So just be careful that those things are in good order. That's my recommendation. That is very helpful. And we, that's what we were thinking we should do is check in with our lawyer because it is non, we don't want to discriminate. We just want to make sure we're not compromising, you know, our beliefs and values as well. So thank you right. for that. You're welcome. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't think that hiring her as a transgender girl would compromise anything. You're showing the love of Jesus. You're treating her mm-hmm. fairly like you would treat anyone else. Um, you're offering her the opportunity. You're going to pay her for her hard work and all of that. So no discrimination at all. But you have a right as an employer to say, here are our established policies, one of which is we don't do preferred pronouns here. Mm, perfect. Thank you, yeah. Patrick. You're welcome. You sound like a wonderful boss, Annette. I hope she hires on and has a great experience with you. <laughs> we would love to show her the light of Christ, that's for sure. Indeed. Wouldn't that be great? Well, thank you, Annette. And I wonder how many business owners listening are taking notes. Um, hey, I have a note here. This is from Patricia. She's listening down in Dallas on our 1440 AM station. And she's writing in about Jerry's nasty gram that I read earlier today. And she says, I love your show, despite the advice of disgruntled callers um, to just drive and not listen to you. Unfortunately, his anger proves to me that People of the mindset he expressed are not interested in engaging in a discussion with anyone who does not agree. His loss. Thank God for relevant radio and the Catholic faith, she says. We all need to learn how to respond with charity and truth. Not to fear, I have no intention of canceling you, Patrick, or anyone else who speaks the truth and welcome the opportunity to discuss with anyone my reasons as to why they might want to consider a change of heart and mind. And I will be purchasing that book on hell that you mentioned today. Carry on and have a blessed day. Thank you. That's very kind of you, Patricia. And um, I don't know if Jerry's listening. Probably not. But if he is, you're always welcome back, Jerry, anytime. 888-914-9149. That's Taco Tuesday music right there. Just to get you in the mood. And that's just Cyrus. Don't mind him. He gets excited on Taco Tuesday. We'll be right back. Join Father Rocky this September for a pilgrimage to Poland and Prague. You'll visit the lands of St. John Paul the Great, St. Faustina, Our Lady of Czestochowa, and the Infant Child of Prague. Seats are limited. Information at relevantradio.com slash Poland. That's relevantradio.com slash Poland. Keeping it relevant. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid is on Coast to Coast on Relevant Radio. Say it again, Cyrus. We do it in Mexico all the time. Do your Taco Tuesday thing. That's right. I live for that. You'll like this, Cyrus. This comes in from Lenore. And she wrote in just now, she says, uh, how else to explain the advent of Tasty Tape? So she's she's making a combination of duct tape and tacos, edible duct tape. Now how that's else what to ex- I call it, taco. 
How else to explain the advent of Tasty Tape, an edible adhesive label for keeping burritos, tacos, gyros, wraps, and the like sealed and intact? The clever product was invented and recently highlighted by a team of chemical and biomolecular engineering students for Engineering Design Day at Johns Hopkins University School of Engineering, mm -hmm. that is. So if you're in the market for edible duct tape, Cyrus, you can apply that to your taco. Boom. Done. Happy Taco Tuesday. I was in Greece recently. I've been there a few times. Nancy and I were in Greece last fall. And I conducted an experiment. The word G-Y-R-O-S. Have you ever had Greek food, Cyrus? Yes. Okay. Have you ever had one of those spelled G-Y-R-O-S? A gyro? I've heard it pronounced that. I've heard it pronounced gyro. I've heard it pronounced gyro. And I've known what how it's correctly pronounced. But when I was in Greece most recently, I asked several different places in different parts of Greece. This this right here, gyros. That's how I pronounce it. How are you supposed to pronounce it? They said, yes, that's how you pronounce it. It's not gyro. It's not gyro. It's gyros. So... That's my contribution to American pop culture. That's the correct... Oh, by the way, as long as I'm at it. Have you ever been in an Italian restaurant and you order bruschetta and the waitress will correct you gently and say, okay, in order of bruschetta, it's not bruschetta. Take note of this, Cyrus. It's not bruschetta, it's bruschetta. And the way it's spelled in Italian, that C-H is pronounced like a K. May I say to you, Fascinating. So if you want to be the envy of all your friends when you go to an Italian restaurant, trust me on this, look it up. Trust me. It's not bruschetta, it's bruschetta. And you say it that way, people are going to say like, wow. Now like know. And knowing is half the battle. Okay. This is getting uh, dangerous for our democracy. Let's go to Norm in Rehoboth, Massachusetts. Norm, welcome. Good morning, good morning. And it is bruschetta, you're right. My wife makes it all the time. Oh, it's so good, yes. Oh, it's so good, so good. So anyway, I'm calling about some of the conversations you've been having with women who have problems with uh, maybe gay marriages and things like that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a, there's a verse in Scripture, I'm sure you're very aware of it because I mentioned it to the, the check-in guy about First Corinthians chapter 5. Okay about immorality that's happening within the church. And at the end of the verse, says for, in verse 12, it says, For what do I have to do with judging outsiders? Do you not judge those who are within the church, but those who are outside God judges? I think a problem mm -hmm. today is we always look at those who are living in that lifestyle and we want to talk to them and this and that. And it may be a point of soul winning, I guess, but we need to worry about what's inside the church as mm -hmm. far as, and, and it says in First Peter, the judgment begin in the household of God. We've got yeah. enough problems in our, in our churches today. We need to look interior first before right. we start going exterior. And we don't even have to go outside. Just be loving yeah. and kind and deal with things like that. So I want I'd like to read the passage. Too. This You're making a All really right. good point, Norm. I'd like to read the passage just for people to know what you're referring to. So I'll begin in verse, uh, verse 9. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with immoral men. Not at all meaning the immoral of this world or the greedy and robbers or idolaters, since then you would need to go out of the world. But rather, I wrote to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother 
referring to a fellow Christian. If he is guilty of immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or robber, not even to eat with such a one. For what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside, drive out the wicked person from among you. This is a difficult biblical precept, especially for modern ears, Norm. I'm sure you'd agree with me. Most people Mm. nowadays, when they read that, they say, what? That's harsh. But it's biblical, and it's true. And as you say, um, so so here's how I react to what you're saying, because I agree with you. Mm -hmm. When I see you know, the gay couple on the TV program or in a movie, or they're, you know, this couple, man and woman, fall in love, and the first thing they do is you know what. Um, I look at that and I say, okay, that's emblematic of the world, that's problematic, and, you know, I try to avoid movies that would have things like that if I can. But it's not my job to go fix them. You know, when I see celebrities on TV who are reveling in their debauchery, um, I feel bad for them. I can say a prayer for them, but it's not my place to go fix them. But to the extent that in the church, which is what I'm hearing you saying, that's where we have some standing to remonstrate with a brother or sister who's having a problem like that, not with the world. That's my take. What is your take on that? Yeah, I feel the same way. You know what I mean? Um, there's been situations where a brother of mine fallen away from the church and he was in sin and we went and called him out. Other brothers, two or three of us mm-hmm. went and talked to him and, you know, and confronted him on the thing why he's part of our church. Uh, I'm not yeah. going to be judging those outside the church because they don't even know Christ. They need to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. Um, a very interesting thing happened at my church. And, you know, I go to a, a Bible teaching church. Uh, I'm not one of the Catholic church. I do too, by the but, way. I go to a Bible teaching church called the Catholic <laughs> I know. Church. I just mean it that way. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> no, okay. But, you know, my brother-in-law, who was gay, I've given him the gospel many times talking about it. He passed away about 50 I'm 50 years old. And so I spoke to my church. Is it possible to do a little service for him? Is that possible? Well, they talked about it. And they talked to my wife because I was her brother. And she said she wanted a, a message on God's love. I was surprised that they said, okay. And people from the Cape came down from P-Town. They were dressed in drag outfits, whatever. They heard the gospel loud and clear. How did it they react to it? Didn't say much. Didn't him say much, you know, and there were, there were relatives who came, um, you know, who heard the gospel and everything else. So I was blown away. I was really blown away that they opened the door to let them come in and hear the gospel. He taught about love because that's what my wife wanted. And she picked a few of the songs that went on. And, uh, you know, um, it was strange. You think, should, should that be accepted? Was that wrong? I look, I say, is that wrong? Well, people got to come in and hear the love of Christ. Mm-hmm. And also about repentance and everything else. So let's hope that some of them were moved by what they heard. Well, that's what I was hoping. Also, you know what I mean. Some of my wife's relatives. Um, I had a conversation with him the other night over here, and he just doesn't want to believe in anything. And, you know, the Bible is written by men. I says, well, I asked him, well, what book isn't written by men? What book mm-hmm. isn't? You read a lot. Right. They're all written by men, but these men were inspired. They were eyewitnesses mm-hmm. of the resurrection of Christ. I told him. Yeah. So he's thinking, but he was at that reception too. So. I'm, I'm just hoping it touches people, but this verse has always reminded me. Judge those within the church. you got yeah. a brother who's in sin, call him to repent. And I, and I think today, some of the biggest things we lack is what is true repentance? And 
I think it's I think it's lacked a lot, especially in the Protestant Church. I see it. Um, they don't realize that the Holy Spirit's job is to convict us of sin. And well, I wouldn't say that's his job because it's not like he's assigned a duty. Um, <laughs> well, he, but that that is part of what the Lord, the Lord, the Giver of Life, the Holy Spirit does. That's for sure. But I know I know yeah. what you're saying, Norm. And these are biblical principles that we would all do well to ponder because it's easy to just go along with the the attitudes of the world and right. to just assume that, you know, it's better to be nice than to be truthful. No. Sometimes it's not right to be nice. It's right and and or put it this way, Norm. Some people will interpret your love in speaking the truth for not being nice. Mm. And and nice is not a priority when it comes to getting to heaven. Truth is. That's right. That well, thank so right. you again, Norm. I always enjoy talking with you. Yeah. God bless you, Patrick. You too. And don't forget, Norm, we've left a light on for you here in the Catholic Church. The door is always open, and you will always be warmly welcomed home. Please, God. Uh, let's go now to Martha in Houston. Good morning, Martha. Good morning, Patrick. Thank you so much for taking my call. I really You're appreciate welcome. it. I enjoy it very much, you know, your your talk show. And um, I have so many, many questions that there's one thing right now that it, I just have, you know, curiosity. Okay. Um, I was in a Bible study uh, a couple of days ago, and um, and I was, you know, in my parish. And, of course, you know, uh, the lady next to me, I asked her, I invited her, hey, are you to be part of the Eucharist revival, you know, mm -hmm. that is coming up, you know, in our church. And I have you sign up for the uh, for the group uh, sessions. And she looked at me and she said, very sadly, she looked at me and she said, no, I can't. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, I'm not allowed. And so the allowed word, you know, it kind of brought Who me told her capacity. that? And that's my question. Mm. And so uh, I said, uh, do you have problems with transportation? I mean, I can make a route to pick you up, or, you know, I can go ahead and get some notes and bring it up to you. And so she said, no, I am married to, I am not married to the church, and I'm married to a Protestant. So it really touched me personally, and that's where, you know, my question is going mm -hmm. into it. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, so I've been waiting for the past 33 years to get an annulment from a... You say you have been or she has been? I have been. This is, okay. you know, this is, you know, her answer, you know, was like, okay, this is, this is something, you know, that is now... So it got you to thinking about your own situation then, right? Exactly. All right. Let me try to, let me shed a little light on this for you, Okay. Your friend, the lady you're talking with about this, she is warmly invited to attend the Eucharistic Congress. Regardless of her marital situation, she is invited to draw near to Jesus. And you, even though, I mean, you only told me five seconds worth, but do I have it right that you, you're married in what would be objectively an invalid marriage? Was there a prior marriage before right. this one? I married into the church with my prior husband, which has been 33 years ago. Okay. He has been completely denied to give me the annulment. I've been trying for... Are you remarried now to another man? I remarried after five years of, you know, getting divorced. 
Okay. I remarried to another person, which is the case. He's he's in the faith. He's a, okay, so, but you're you're married civilly in the eyes of the law, but not in the eyes of God in the church, right? That that is correct. Okay. And so, so let me just interject here. So you are not in any way prohibited from attending the Eucharistic Congress. You are welcomed and encouraged to go, draw closer to Jesus. Now, there there are some things that, of course, if you're not, and you are, are not in a position where you can receive the Holy Eucharist. You could, that was my next question to you. Okay, so I am anticipating that that might be. So, no, you're not properly disposed to receive the Holy Eucharist, but even that can be rectified. I can explain to you in a minute how to do that. But yeah. You you can go. You can go. You can be at the Mass. You can participate in every way, draw close to Jesus, and and yet you can't receive Jesus in Holy Communion. But let's talk about that for a minute. How can you fix that problem? Well, the first thing to do would be talk to your parish priest and ask him to help you initiate the process of an inquiry into your first marriage. Is it possible that that first marriage um, was valid? Is it possible it was null? Now, hopefully, the ideal situation would be that you would reconcile with your husband, your first husband. Is that a possibility? Any chance of the two of you reconciling? No. Okay. So these are matters for you to talk to them about. But you mentioned that your first husband will not cooperate with that process, right? So it sounds like maybe it's already been attempted and he won't cooperate. Well, that of course complicates things, but that doesn't mean that the church can't still render a decision on that marriage if one spouse won't cooperate. That sometimes happens, sometimes out of anger. So yeah. that that road is not closed to you, but you would need to confer with your pastor or, or someone in the diocese to find out how to proceed to find out officially from the church, are you free to get married in the case of nullity in the first marriage, or are you still validly married to your husband? In which case, you would need to leave the man that you're with. And I know that would be incredibly difficult, but if you're married to the first husband, then you can't be married to this man. So that that would be my first suggestion. Push this point, push it, push it, and find out, get a definitive answer, even if your first husband isn't cooperating. The answer may be, yes, you're still validly married, or it could be that the marriage was no. We'll see what happens. In the meantime, though, you can go to confession, make a good sacramental confession of all your mortal sins since the last time you went, including the second marriage that's objectively sinful. Confess all of those things, and you make a decision. Of course, your husband would have to participate in this decision, but you would make a decision to live as brother and sister. Done. Okay. So if you are, if you and the man you're with now are no longer doing what married people do yeah, and you're living, okay, it's done. Great. So you go to make a good sacramental confession and you have the intention to do what God wants you to do. You're going to obey the church. What does the church determine in this first marriage? You're going to obey the church. You're going to obey the Lord out of love. You would be in a position to receive the Holy Eucharist. Oh, my God, I got the atonement already. The only thing that I need is just to get that stupid atonement from my ex-husband. Tell me again, you, 
the church did declare that first marriage was null? Did, is that right? No, they've been going through the first time that he went, you know, through, you know, I mean, they came back saying, you know, that my ex-husband was not cooperating. So they just pushed it aside. That was, you know, I mean, that was like approximately 30 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. And so because our marriage was lasted only three years, it was Mm -hmm. really abusive. I mean... I would recommend, forgive my interruption, I have to take a break, Martha. I would recommend yes. if if they shelved it, so to speak, I would reactivate the inquiry. Talk to your yes. pastor. Yes. Okay. Have they started, have they reinitiated the process? Yes. Okay, And I'm good. like, I'm already, you know, in, in, I mean, all the process that you've been telling me, you know, I had done it. We've been, you okay. know, we've been, I've been married to my new husband for the past 28 years. Okay. And we not we've been living together as a brother and sister for the past twenty years. Wow! Waiting for that annulment. So here's what you can do, Martha. And we While are you're very wa- faithful to our church. I'm so happy to hear to that. Be, I was about to be an on, and that was my first problem. Well, that's a separate issue. Um, and yeah. I understand that must cause you some grief or some pain, but let's, for a moment at least, let's focus on this one. So while that annulment issue is working in the background, who knows how long that'll take? What a shame it's taken this long to find out one way or the other. But in, regardless, you want to follow Jesus, right? Yes. And you don't want to commit really? any sins, right? Correct. Okay. And he knows that. He knows that. And you and your husband have made the virtuous and heroic decision to live as brother and sister. So you're not doing what married people do. Absolutely not. Okay, so you have a green light here, my dear. You can go to confession. You can get all of this stuff out, put it at the foot of the cross. And when you walk out of that confessional and you've received those words of sacramental absolution, you can go receive Holy Communion immediately. Thank you so much for the day. I mean, it's like it's been brutal. I'm so sorry that you've been suffering this way, but there is a path forward. Okay? Thank you so much. I'll be at the Eucharistic Congress. I will be at the Eucharistic Congress with Father Rocky and Drew and Cyrus and everyone else. So I hope that you'll be there, and I hope that you'll come over and say hello. I sure will. Okay. I'll be looking for that, and I'll be praying for you. Thank you so much, Patrick. I really appreciate it. Thank you for everything you do. You're welcome. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. We'll be right back. This hour is supported by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Join the nation's largest Catholic-oriented credit union and receive $200 when you add a direct deposit. Learn more at NotreDameFCU.com slash join. That's NotreDameFCU.com slash join. Can I get a beef taco, please? Oh, uh, we don't do that here, sir. Can I offer you our vegan gluten-free broccoli tacos with cashew cheese? <laughs> 
real-life solutions you can believe in. This is The Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Just waiting to see if there's more. I guess not. Um, I'm keeping my eyes on developments in the Middle East, you know, in the aftermath of the Iranian proxy attacks on U.S. military bases in the Middle East. Three of our personnel were killed some days ago. And uh, according to the Daily Mail, which includes some mapping of aircraft activity from Flight Radar 24. That's a great app, by the way. I have it. I enjoy it. Um Apparently, there are six uh, U.S. Air Force KC-135 refueling tankers that are arriving in the Middle East. And uh, their arrival portends, some are saying, uh, imminent strikes against perhaps Iran or Iranian assets in or Iranian assets in Iraq, Syria. Who knows? I don't know. But let's not escalate, shall we? I posted on Twitter yesterday. I said, no to war, no to war, no to war. Uh, I don't want a war. You don't want a war. Should we retaliate for the military strikes against our people? I think so. But I would be urging, if, I, if anyone in the White House were listening to me, they don't, or in the Pentagon, if anyone were listening to me, but they don't, I would advise do everything you can politically, behind the scenes, negotiation, but even that's probably not very likely with the Iranians, the leaders anyway. But don't take us into a war. There are other ways clandestinely that you can handle such things. The Israelis are really good at that kind of thing. There are ways to respond that don't involve dragging the United States into another war. So I'm not a military expert, but I know how to read. And I know how to look at flight radar 24, and when I see these uh, new assets being moved into the area, it gives me the impression that maybe something big is imminent. And I pray that it's not. I pray that there's a way through this that will not um, drag us into a war. It's the simplest way I can put it. By the way, just as a little aside, uh, the U.S. Navy announced recently, this is from the AP, that it is going to start enlisting sailors who don't even have a high school diploma or even a GED. This is the second time, according to the Associated Press, in about a year that the Navy has opened the door to lower-performing recruits as it struggles to meet enlistment goals. The decision follows a move in December of 2022 to bring in a larger number of recruits who score very low on the Armed Forces uh, Armed Services Qualification Test. ASVAB is what they used to call it. I don't know if they call that anymore. Uh, both are fairly rare steps that other military services largely avoid, even though they are all finding it increasingly difficult to attract the dwindling number of young people who can meet the military's physical, mental, and moral standards. Under the new plan, Navy recruits without an education credential will be able to join as long as they score 50 or above on the qual test, and that's 50 out of 99 so imagine Cyrus going to school and you have to take a test. 99 would be an A. If you score 50, which I think would be an F, you'd still qualify. I don't think that's very good. Now, maybe they say, well, what, what other choice do we have? We can't get enough recruits, so we're going to lower the standards. I don't think lowering the standards is, uh, is the solution to this, honestly. 
I know. How about this? What if we diverted some of the hundreds of billions of dollars that we're sending to other places and pay our troops and sailors and airmen better? That might be a solution. Upgrade what they get paid. That's almost ingenious right there. See what I'm saying? How much do we send to some of these other countries? I know there's tables that tell you the hundreds of billions of dollars that we squander in uh, foreign countries that hate our guts in some cases, or they're just wasting it, or the corrupt politicians don't even let the money go to where it's intended to go. They absorb it themselves. I'll bet we could get a lot more Marines and airmen and sailors and soldiers in our military armed forces if we just paid them a lot more than they're getting paid now. 100%. The money is there. You just redirect it. Anyway, I wanted to bring that up as a part of this bigger picture of the situation in the Middle East. Well, let's pray to God that it doesn't result in war. Amen. Let's go to Jay now in Orange County, California. Hi, Jay. Hi, good morning. Yes, Hello. good morning. Yes. Hi, um, I have a quick question. So um, I was, uh, the you had mentioned the um, Novena to St. Joseph a, a little bit ago with yeah. another caller. And I, 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 so I think my, my thing is I can't remember to do it in the morning and on your, on the relevant radio app on the bottom, mm-hmm. it says to pray it in the morning. Is it very important that I do pray it in the morning or? No. Can I? Okay. No. no. And I'll explain what that means. That was my okay. yeah, it's a practical thing, which means that when you, let's say you make a commitment to pray novena, you're going to pray the rosary, what have you. It's practically a good thing to pray it in the morning. That way, by the time you get to the end of the day, you know that you've done it. And as life is busy and we all get distracted, it could happen that you have the intention to pray the novena or to pray your rosary, but you don't pray it in the morning, you wind up not getting it done at all. So that's the logic behind saying pray it in the morning. But you're not required to pray any particular prayer at any particular time. It's not like St. Joseph's going to say, sorry, Jay, you prayed it after 12 o'clock p.m., so I'm not going to listen to your prayer. No, it's not like that. It's practical. You pray it whenever you can. You could pray it in in the car on your way to work in the morning. Or if you're a housewife and you're taking care of the kiddos, you can pray it whenever it's convenient for you to do that. That's okay. That's reassuring. Just because my schedule is so different, it varies every day that I just... Mm -hmm. Sometimes I tend to forget, and then there's a little hint of guilt that I didn't do it in the morning, but I'll still do it yeah. even if I forget. So I just wanted to know if it would be valid. Do you? Well, yeah, and there's no question of validity. It's not like a sacrament where there's a validity question. But here's a tip. Let me give you a thought. When you get up in the morning, like everyone else, you go through your morning routine. You know, shower, makeup, brush your teeth, get your coffee, eat your breakfast, you know, all those things that you do while you're getting to go to work, for example. You could pray the novena during that time. You you can make as part of your morning prayer routine, you just include the novena. It'll take you two minutes, maybe less than that, take you a minute, and it's done. And you know that you've done it. Okay. Um, Could we also pray for more than one intention? Yes, you may. There's no limit to the prayer intentions. You can pray for one intention. You can pray for a million intentions. 
Um, do you have time for one more quick question? I do. Anything for okay, you, Jay. Go for it. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and this has been like a question that's been lingering in my, just for a long time. I've just never been able to address it. So I have mm-hmm. a lot of friends and a lot of families that have, were Catholic or are Catholic or, um, or not Catholic. I, I'm not, so that's how we are currently. And um, we're surrounded and I've been trying to convince or rather evangelize more with my, within my close circle of friends to okay. come back to the phase or to get up. So, but the thing is, so I told them about Relentless Radio and how I listen to it throughout the day, every day, mm. and how it's helped. I mean, it's helped my faith immensely. So knowing that I suggested it to them and they just, I don't know what it is. If it's laziness or they're just too busy with their own life. They just don't mm-hmm. want to take that extra step to even listen. I have an idea. Or even read. Okay. I have an idea. So, you know the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink? Yes. But you can put salt in his oats so that he'll get thirsty and want to drink. And that's what I'm going to suggest. Okay. So do this. If you go to the relevant radio, go to, go to the Patrick Madrid Show YouTube channel. Okay? Okay. And when you go there, we have well over 100, maybe close to 200 clips from the show on different topics. Find something that you think that these people might be interested in. Could be about gaming, could be about marriage, could be whatever. And then text the link to that little video clip and just say, hey, I thought you might enjoy this. They're going to tap it, they're going to listen, and they're going to say, oh, that's interesting. And then periodically, you just text them links to the show. We have all kinds of social media clips at relevantradio.com slash Patrick. So you could, um, you could just send them these things. Chances are they're looking at their phones anyway. And they'll listen. They and we'll, we'll get them hooked that way. Okay, thank you so much for that. I, that's a good idea. I haven't even thought of that. So we'll, okay. we'll try that. Thank Sounds you like so your kids need your attention right now, don't they? Oh, yes. It's a never-ending, but it's, we're, we're blessed, so we're very happy. You are. Thank you. Well, God bless you, Jay. Good chatting. Hey, Marie in Missouri, I only have a moment, but what I have is yours. Welcome. Okay. Hi. So um, my brother was in, recently engaged, and um, my family is Catholic, so him included, and his fiance is not. Um, I was praying that they would get married in a Catholic church, and... Um, I spoke to them last night and they are open to it. Um, I wasn't sure because of his fiance. Um, and it actually seems like it might be special to her. So, um, my question is, um, is it normal for people to go through like the confirmation, um, before getting married? And then she talked about how her grandpa actually did the same thing and received his first communion on his wedding day. That would be awesome. I wish we had more time. Yes, I would say do what you can to encourage both of them to have their Catholic wedding at the Catholic Church, blessed by a priest. And uh, along the way, she can take instruction, maybe even become Catholic. Thank you.